Live to tape. Season 2, Episode 15. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. The days are getting longer, and I've got the, the, the summer feelings in the air. Do you guys, do you guys feel at this time of year? Um, uh, I feel my allergies. That, that's about it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, here was very warm, and I, I, you all may remember uh, I was obsessed with a drink last summer that I described as the drink of the summer. Coors Light Citrus Radler. No. <laughs> How could we forget? <laughs> I was very upset this week because I have... <laughs> it's actually really sad. I've been searching Twitter <laughs> for tweets about the beer because I wanted to see if people are seeing it pop up in stores again because I really want to start enjoying it because <laughs> it's warm here, here and it feels like summer. And uh, so I was doing a search a couple days ago. And I saw that the official Coors Light Twitter account, which I do not follow, by the way, but I saw oh, that okay. the Coors Light Twitter account started telling people it's not coming back. And I'm so upset. Oh, Are you, though? I really am. I'm not kidding. I, I actually I have teared up over it multiple times now. I'm not even kidding. I believe it's on eBay. No, they they can't sell filled cans on eBay. Do you want a hug, Andrew? I actually do. But so I went into the group and a couple people uh left some suggestions and um I uh, thank you to everybody who who's helping me cope during this difficult time. Just I'm currently some... having a Stiegel Rattler. It's grapefruit and it's pretty good. So What is a Rattler? It's 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 like a fruit soda taste, I guess is how I would describe it. Oh, it's a mixture of beer and sparkling lemonade. Well, there you go. Just do that. Just buy some cores and get some sparkling lemonade. Yeah, it's probably exactly the same, actually. Yeah, actually, one of our um, listeners, Genevieve, she suggested making my own Rattler with sparkling lemonade from Trader Joe's and a beer of my choice. So, yeah, pretty awesome. Uh huh. Um, Today's the New York primary. Is we are recording as the votes are being cast, but I think we know that Hillary and Trump are going to win it, right? Um, yeah. We'll we'll provide an update at the end of the show because we'll we'll know by then. Um, mm-hmm. but it was funny. Uh, Hillary Clinton, she really, she really, she. I guess all politicians do this, but she was really pandering the other day. What do you um, mean? There's this is actually too funny. There's this new Beyonce song called Formation. We've all oh yeah oh yeah we are familiar yeah and and it and it talks about hot sauce in her bag. Swag. I got hot sauce in my bag. And so Hillary the other day she's in New York and she goes on this black radio show called The Breakfast Club and listen what happens. What's something that you always carry with you? Hot Just- sauce. Really? You, yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Are you getting information right now? <laughs> Hot sauce. Hot sauce wow. in my bag, Swag? Hot sauce. Really? Yes. Now, listen, yes. I just want you to know people are going to see this and say, okay, she's pandering to black people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is it working? Yeah. If y'all are going to vote for me, 
God, that's terrible. Do do uh. we th- do we think like she said that because it's information or yes. I I okay, she may have um she may have said it to probably pander, but I know first firsthand that she does actually have hot sauce in her bag. Because and how do you know firsthand? She <laughs> about four or five years ago, um uh one of my coworkers um, she and I were working an event, and she got to uh, work in this private dining dinner, which actually turned out that Hillary Clinton was there. And apparently, she was telling me like she was really, really nice, really, uh, really sweet. All she really wanted was a hamburger, and uh, she apparently brought out a uh, hot sauce on the table that wasn't or wasn't the the hotels's, the restaurants. It was it was so hers. So you're saying hot sauce was in her bag. She, yeah, she, apparently she brings hot sauce and I even looked into it. Like it's been, (laughs) it's a common, she has said it before. I don't know. I don't, but I do think that 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 might, that might, that may well be true, but I still feel that's, that's, I I trust you, Matt. Of course. I know, I I know you, Mm -hmm. but that's one person's anecdote. I don't know how much I believe it i kind of feel like this is still pandering and even if it wasn't even if she really does carry hot sauce in her bag she carries 10 other things in her bag too right she chose that particular one because she was on an african-american radio show i and, I, I i believe that i, and, I do and think she's, and like the fact and they're like oh you know people are going to be saying you're pandering to black people is it working what the hell kind of response is that? Are you going to vote for me? <laughs> okay, but even on TMZ where this article came from, it does say in the article she's been getting blasted for the comment, but truth is Hillary has talked about her love of chili peppers and hot sauce since 1992 when she started using it to boost her immune system. Oh, dear God, whatever. I mean, I, don't, I, I, mean, didn't, I, I didn't want to say this because I have been blasted in the past right. for saying anything that could be perceived as being quote, biased in favor of the Clinton campaign. But I've also seen a lot of the same reports that Matt's talking about. Um, So apparently there's some truth there. Of course, I think that it was definitely a um, a conscious choice that she made to talk about that one thing on that radio show. However, I'll also point out that the question kind of leads you towards pandering, and they've done this to all True. the candidates. Like, they've done this to all the candidates, depending on the forms where they're in. Let's move on to some news. Um, we're going to start with a life topic. Uh, it's always interesting to hear um, studies by by different groups of people. I mean, you, you hear studies for everything. They all contradict each other. But I thought this one was particularly interesting because it's about happiness and it looks back to, to ancient civilization. A new study by evolutionary psychologists, who I didn't even know existed. Uh, these are people who look at the hunter-gatherer lifestyles of our ancient ancestors to figure out what makes us happy now. Have completed a survey which offers interesting tidbits about what makes us all happy, and they found a few things. Number one, people who live in more densely populated areas tend to report less satisfaction with life at overall. So in other words, if you're living in a city, you, you may not be as happy. They also found the more social interactions with close friends a person has, the greater their self-reported happiness. But for more intelligent people, these were reversed. So smarter people enjoyed more popular areas and weren't as happy when they interacted with close friends. And what? then 
Yeah. And then according to a Brookings Institution researcher, smart people are less happy when socializing because, quote, they're focused on some other long-term objective. So they don't even have time for people. So I think, How are they defining smart people? I'm just curious. I think people who I, – I, I got the impression of business smart. Okay. Probably by a- education level and career. Here's the thing, though. I, I mean, Elisa, you're in grad school, too. I knew some dumb fucking people in grad school. So I don't know if education level means anything. Mm. It means nothing. Yeah. Effective. <laughs> unless you're in like a STEM field, unless you're studying to be like programmer. I don't I, I mean, I guess this just tells me that I'm dumb, which I kind yeah. of already knew. So You are not dumb. According to this, I am. I'm okay with <laughs> yeah. it. I mean, it, smarter people enjoy more populated areas. I, I don't fuck that. So here's the thing I wanted to ask. We've we've all lived, all of us here have lived in cities and rural areas. For example, I've lived in a suburb, a New Jersey suburb, for 18, 19 years of my life. And I've lived in Los Angeles since then. Um, how do we all, do, do we all agree, is, is there certain, um, does living in a city make any of us sad? Yes. Yes. Oh my God. Why? But then again, so does living anywhere. Really. (laughs) I think just being alive is kind of sad. Um, I, yeah, I think sometimes a city, it's funny because there's like that famous aphorism that you never feel lonelier than when you're in a crowded room. Right. And I think that the city environment sometimes facilitates that because you're sort of like, you 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 know that you're surrounded by people, but how many of them do you actually feel connected with? And it's easy to remove yourself when you're in the middle of a cornfield somewhere. Of course, you're going to feel alone. Then sort of rejuvenating that way. But when you feel alone in the middle of millions of people, it sort of makes you feel isolated from humanity and like there's something wrong with you. Like why can't I connect with these yeah. people? And apparently, from I'm learning, it's because you know I'm really smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. that reminded me of uh a quote from the great gatsby when uh i forget her, i forget the character's name but she said and i i love large parties they're so intimate small parties there doesn't seem to be any privacy yeah, yeah. i mean i will say the saddest i have ever been in my life was when i lived in new york city Really? Yeah. And it's not to say that it's necessarily New York or that there's a problem with the city. Or the weather. But I think, I think, well, the weather doesn't help. But I think for me, it was a combination of living in this densely populated urban area in such a small living space and then also being in grad school and also working and like having no life balance between my work and like my personal life. Yeah. Um, and I, it was really just like I was really down a lot of the time. And I love New York. I mean, I, I there's so much that's cool about New York as a city, but did not particularly enjoy living there. No. Yeah. Yeah. For me in, in Los Angeles, I, I think I like it. I, I've yet to actually really know for sure. But I do know that I do. I miss maybe maybe I, w- I think I would like to live in a city that's like a Denver sized or. Austin size where it's it's densely populated but it's not overly crowded or like um like like Phoenix or, or Albuquerque somewhere That's in the what desert. I love about Atlanta. 
Atlanta's a lot like that. Yeah. And it's super easy to like we have in like we have ITP, which is in the perimeter and OTP, which is outside the perimeter. And like it's so easy to have a place that's just OTP enough that you've got that neighborhood feel. But then 10 minutes and you're in the city. That to me is perfect. That is Mm -hmm. nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree with with this study in terms of the living in the city, you're less happy. I've heard lots of stories similar to what Laura said about New York. I know somebody who lives there right now is is not happy with it. He says it's just like a constant struggle for the work-life balance, and it's expensive mm-hmm. there. And mm-hmm. I think there are similar problems in L.A. for sure. Um, I know my Mike doesn't want to move back to New York at all. Like, he really is just totally over it. Yeah, uh-huh. you couldn't pay me enough money, I don't think. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's some people who who can't live anywhere else mm-hmm. than New York. It's just, I think, yeah, it's just... Live in the place that benefits you the most. All right. Well, next news story then? Yeah. So this one has not been reported on very much. I'm kind of surprised by it. Um, You guys might recall uh, a long time ago after uh, 9-11, the intelligence community spearheaded by the CIA came out with this massive report about 9-11, how it happened, why it happened, who was behind it, the whole nine yards. You mean you mean 7-11? <laughs> what? Uh, you don't you get that? You didn't know don't, it was don't 7-11? Even tell her. Don't even tell her. Don't okay. even tell her. <laughs> <laughs> She's just going to have to figure it out. Yep. <laughs> I really I really thought you were like being racist. Um, 9-11, no. <laughs> 9-11 actually happened in July. <laughs> Okay, we're going to move on. Um, okay. So <laughs> came out with this report. And um, most of it was available to the public pretty immediately, or I should say within a, a few years. And actually, after 10 years, most classified documents become declassified. And in fact, that is what happened with the 9-11 report. So in 2011, we found out most of what the intelligence community knew except for 28 pages, 28 pages of the report, which was hundreds of pages long, were redacted despite the fact that it had been more than 10 years. And that was decided by presidential decree. And everyone's like, why? What's in these 28 pages that's so much different from the rest of this report? Turns out popular opinion um, is that it's about Saudi Arabia and the role that Saudi Arabia played in 9-11 And 60 Minutes recently reported on this. Just last week, they had a massive report on the 28 pages, why they're redacted and what's in there. They interviewed some top-level members of the intelligence community who were attesting to the fact that, yeah, it's about Saudi Arabia. And now several key members of Congress, including Nancy Pelosi, are calling upon the Obama administration to declassify those last 28 pages. Now, this is critical because... At the same time that there's this call to declassify it, a new piece of legislation is moving through Congress right now that would permit lawsuits against countries that, quote, contribute material support or resources for acts of terrorism. In other words, 9-11 victims' families could sue Saudi Arabia. The White House is lobbying against this piece of legislation hard. They do not want... 9-11 families to be able to sue one of our allies. Saudi Arabia is also lobbying against it hard, saying that they will retaliate financially against the United States if this bill passes. 
So I guess my first question is just how many of you guys knew that Saudi Arabia was involved in 9-11? I mean, they're a key U.S. ally, and I think Mm -hmm. uh, some people know that they were involved and some people don't. I was really confused when I saw this story in the doc because I was like, wait, isn't that common knowledge that like 14 of the 19 hijackers were Saudis and there was a lot of like money, you know, it was dark money, certainly, but that came from Saudi Arabia to fund this. I was really confused. Right. Because Um, this had been discussed before. It's not like it was a secret. I think what's curious is that Laura's right, that the fact that Saudi Arabia was involved and had been funding um, the ter- the terrorists is kind of well known. And there's a lot of mentions of it in the rest of this 9-11 report by the CIA. But it kind of leads you to wonder then, OK, so if it's already common knowledge and we knew that Saudi Arabia was involved, what the fuck are on these 28 pages? Like how much worse could it be? You know what I mean? Like there's mm-hmm. clearly something – there that both the United States and Saudi Arabia doesn't want to be public. So, I mean, I can only assume that it's something that ties them to it even even closer, that it's really, I don't know, that it shows somehow that they were more involved even than we realized. Well, if well, there's and- any doubt to Saudi Arabia's involvement in those in those pages, it got debunked when they started to retaliate with it with this. Well, and the other thing to consider too, and I understand why the white house is lobbying against this. It's because Saudi Arabia actually has a massive stake in the U S economy and they could fuck us. Mm -hmm. They really could. And the white house doesn't want that. Right. Of course. So that's the, all right. So this is the sort of the dichotomy that we're facing here. And, and to, to, for the record, uh, 9-11 victims' families are speaking out about this uh, massively. I mean, this story, uh, it wasn't reported in any cable news, but CBS covered it, MSNBC covered it. Um, and one woman, Luria Van Alten, she, her husband died in the North Tower on 9-11. And mm-hmm. she's been speaking out saying, I'm completely outraged. And if you love someone that was murdered and the people were just able to get away with it scot-free, would you be okay with that? Oh, now, God, consider. No. Now consider that that's happening and the White House is lobbying against you. They feel – I mean I get the position the White House is in. It's a rock and a hard place. But mm-hmm. I, 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 I do feel for the families. I mean they probably feel fucking betrayed, frankly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to get peace. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And I and think, there's, I yeah, think that's why this that, – that they should continue for this to be – continue pushing for this to be released because i think they do have a right to know to have the full picture i, I mean, agree th- this this 9-11 report wasn't this the thing that got published as a book yes you yeah. walked into barnes and noble and it was fucking yeah. everywhere yeah I never forget never forget all over the bookshelves mm-hmm. and um yeah so i i don't think it's right that that this massive report that ended up being published has some potentially very crucial parts that were redacted. So, mm-hmm. so well, yeah. we'll see what happens with this legislation. They're trying to not only declassify that, they're also trying to sue Saudi Arabia. That mm. would be pretty unprecedented. So, well, we'll keep, and Saudi yeah. Arabia is countering it with, uh, I think right now they just warned that it's going to dump the hundreds of billions of dollars that the U.S. has in debt for it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, if and also if it becomes law. I I just want to wait and see how Saudi Arabia decides that they're going to sue us back. Um because, you know, recently they've been threatening to sue people who shit talk them on Twitter. Oh, well, so right. I would love to see Saudi Arabia try to start a Twitter lawsuit against the United States. I think. Oh, that my God. Really- Bring it on. I hope, it, I hope millennials <laughs> first. I, know, I swear right? to fucking God, these fucking douche nozzles. I really think we should go out and just like take a giant social media shit all over the Saudi princes and see how that goes. See what they do. Yeah, fuck them. They bought their followers. Don't don't they have like massive mansions here in the U.S., including L.A.? I, I oh yes. Every oh, once yeah. in a while, I'll read a story about how a Saudi prince has just purchased a massive mansion in Los Angeles. Like, yeah. Why? Oh yeah. No, and I mean, also the other thing that the White House probably doesn't want to talk about is the fact that there are members of our political elite who have very close working relationships with members of the Saudi royal family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Boy, not naming any names, but, you know, I think we should photo. I think we should listener challenge Photoshop pictures of the Saudi princes with dicks in their mouths and then just hashtag <laughs> it. Sue me. <laughs> Post challenge. I'm going to buy some copies of the 9-11 report at Barnes Noble and add in them. Where are the redacted pages and go throw them on the lawns of these princes in L.A.? There you go. Mm-hmm. With well, dildos attached because oh. that's mature. Let's well, I guess that's one way to get more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so next story, um, there's been an interesting bill in North Carolina called HB2. Have you guys heard about this yet, a.k.a. the bathroom bill? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's been some interesting controversy um, and, and developments, thanks in part to my husband, Bruce Springsteen. Um, it made it, the bathroom bill made it illegal for cities in North Carolina to enact ordinances that would protect LGBT people from discrimination. So in other words, the new law made it illegal to be anti-discriminatory. As an example, right now it is, well, right now it is possible to be fired in North Carolina for being gay or transgendered. And uh, transgendered people who have not taken surgical and legal steps to change the gender noted on their birth certificates have no legal right under state law to use public restrooms of the gender with which they identify. And because of HB2, cities and counties no longer can establish a different standard. Um, Some, like Charlotte, tried, but the state government stepped in with HB2 and said, fuck that, we want everyone here to discriminate. So, this caused a snowball effect with several artists. First was, like I said, my husband, Bruce Springsteen. He canceled his North Carolina concert earlier this month, two days before the show, which I would have been pissed, um, especially having had I had I experienced that canceled concert in New York a couple of weeks ago. So I know the feeling a couple months ago. I thought you were going to say especially being gay. <laughs> no, no. I have to say, though, I was extremely proud of Bruce when he announced this. He wrote the, he wrote this great note on his website. It made headlines, which we'll get into in a moment. Um, so Bruce canceled. Ringo Starr canceled. Cirque de Soleil canceled their show. Boston, the band canceled. Pearl Jam canceled. Also two days before their show. Mumford and Sons didn't cancel. Instead, they donated all profits to a local LGBT charity, which I thought was a was a good um, idea instead of canceling and upsetting your fans. Um, 
I wanted to talk about the benefit of canceling over simply making a statement. Bruce could have done his show and, you know, in the middle of a song or something, he could have (laughs) talked about being a freedom fighter and fuck this discrimination. But instead, he and Ringo and Boston and Pearl Jam all decided to cancel. And I think it's really interesting because they lose some money on this. But more importantly, the state loses money. And even more importantly, canceling a show gets headlines. If Bruce just said something during a show, if Ringo was just like, peace and love, peace and love, this has to stop during his show, nobody would have really taken notice. But it's the fact that they actually canceled that this news, particularly Bruce, and then everyone sort of to a lesser effect, um, really was everywhere. So what do you guys think of this way of fighting the government it so far it appears to be pretty effective the state has lost money which Mm -hmm. um is not good for the governor and um the governor did start to make some changes which i'll talk about in a moment but first what are your thoughts on them canceling i have mixed feelings about it because i feel like yes you are definitely getting the attention of the state and you're kind of hitting them you know, in their wallet. But at the same time, there are a lot of LGBT people living in North Carolina who are probably fans of those people who don't have the time or money to drive to other states to see them. Yeah. So you're also inadvertently, of course, but you are kind of punishing those people too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not their fault that they live where they live. They can't help that. We actually got an email from somebody about that who was like, you know, I I really feel like as a gay person living in North Carolina, I'm going to start missing out on a lot of things because a lot of performers that I really like won't come here anymore. Right. I really like what Mumford and Sons did. I thought I it was perfect. Too. I, 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 I like that, too. I will say this, though, is that I'm thinking about this from a media perspective. I mean, let's be honest. Whenever there's a change, if we ever affect change on any kind of level, it happens only when people know about it. If something passes or or goes unknown, then you can never change it because it's just off the radar. And if we want people to know about something, what grabs headlines? What's going to actually make the news? What is CNN Mm -hmm. going to actually report on? Is it going to be that a band donated money to charity or made a statement in the middle of their set? Or is it going to be that they're boycotting? Which of those two things is more likely to get attention? So I feel like I I agree with Laura. I mean, it definitely I mean, I have mixed feelings about too. But that's that's the thinking behind it is that you're you're doing it for headlines. You're doing it for attention, not for you as an artist, but for the issue, for the cause. I think we have to ask ourselves, too, how much would we even be talking about this if none of them had done it? If, If all of them had just made statements or donated to charity, would this have come up on our radar as much? Yeah. Well, that's a good point. You know, to, mm-hmm. to, to quote that's Bruce in his letter when he announced he was canceling, he said, some things are more important than a rock show, and this fight against prejudice and bigotry, which is happening as I write, is one of them. It is the strongest means I have for raising my voice in opposition to those who continue to push us backwards instead of forwards. Um, so, but has ha- has anything happened because of these cancels? Yeah, so... On April 12th, the governor said he was expanding protections for state employees, which would prevent these workers from being fired for being gay or transgender. He also said he would seek legislation restoring the right to sue for discrimination. 
So, so if you were discriminated against, you could actually sue for it in the state. <laughs> Slow clap. Good. <laughs> um, and also in his order, the governor stopped short of altering the bill's most high-profile pr- provision mandating that transgender people use bathrooms that correspond only with the gender on their birth certificate. So he hasn't changed that part yet, which is one of the biggest parts. You know, this thing was nicknamed the bathroom bill. But steps are being made, and you know Pearl Jam they just announced two days ago. So these cancellations keep happening. I am keeping my eye on Beyonce. She has a concert coming up next month. I would think that would be the biggest one to date. Um, yeah, I think if, if Beyonce you... and I think Adele too. I don't know if she's playing in North Carolina, but those are the two biggest tours right now. <laughs> well, money wise, uh, it's. Yeah, but behind Madonna, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Who? Hmm? Who? What? 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 Did you say? Can Madonna? I ask a question? And maybe, maybe we don't know the answer, and that's fine. I'm genuinely just curious. I'm not sure. I know that a big part of this is the the bathroom bill angle. How are they defining transgender? So who are they saying this is? You know, this applies to. Applies- I mean. What if, what if you've, what if, for example, I'm not saying that this should matter. I'm certainly not saying that. Let me be mm-hmm. clear. But I'm just asking, like, are they saying post op, pre op, or? They're saying, they're saying whatever sex is on your birth certificate is the corresponding gender that you are allowed to enter in a restroom. Right. And, 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 and surgery wise, too. So it's, it doesn't uh, even matter if. No. And I, it doesn't. I want to clarify, and I'm not saying that genitals define your gender. I'm not suggesting that. I was just trying to ask a question. I know I'm going to get my head bitten off here. No, it, no I mean, it's, it's it's a legitimate question. I just – what really just upsets me about this particular bill is that they have no basis to start this because there has not been a single reported case of a transgender person harassing a cisgender person and nor has there ever been any confirmed reports at least i know of that uh male predators who have been pretending to be transgendered go into uh women's stalls or just restrooms and you know assault them commit crimes there's never been any confirmed reports of this so from what i have seen at least on media and other um on like social medias, the 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 biggest reasoning behind this, they're they're saying is because, you know, the rising trans community, uh, the rising recognition, it's getting more popular, and there's more open favoritism, and they're basically trying to prevent, like, future things from happening once it becomes more widely acceptable, or some bullshit like that. Like they're seeing the signs or some shit, and I think it's just really interesting because coming from the same group who are literally denying the causes of mass shootings, the epidemic that we're having in this country. And they are fighting with every fiber of their being to shoot down, no, no pun intended, that any preventative cause that involves firearm control. They will, they will defend to the death that that is not, it's not a problem. But they're okay with uh, foreseeing a possible problem and denying rights of our citizens because of it. Yeah, I would just like to point out that these are the same people who um, claim to be proponents of small government. When they say small government, they mean laws just small enough to fit underneath your bedroom door. <laughs> um, I, When I'm in the bathroom, the last thing on my mind when I'm taking a shit 
are the genitals of the person in the stall next to me. Literally zero fucks. You're just not living dangerously enough, Laura. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think I saw a tweet or something. Somebody pointed out. We've all been there already. We've already all been in a bathroom with a transgendered person. You didn't know it. And that's fine. Right, exactly. That's the best argument. It's like, why are you legislating this when it's sort of just been status quo and everyone's cool, right? right. Everyone's cool. Move on. Now mm-hmm. Caitlyn Jenner has a show and it's scary. <laughs> well, it's, the show's pretty scary. It is. It is scary. It's a bad show. Um, Actually, I not. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what's um, scary? The ratings. Yeah. <laughs> so women's low. women's poops are just as stinky as men's. <laughs> Well, wise words sure. <laughs> wise words so i just again I, I i was very moved but you know everybody knows i worship bruce springsteen so it was nice to see him uh doing this as somebody who's gay myself it was nice seeing my 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 bay uh stand up for my people so um you're welcome yes yes so thank you elisa <laughs> all right um i'm moving us along uh so <laughs> our next story today is a a real life pixar movie and it starts with inky inky is an octopus who is about the size of a basketball he inky has squeezed through a slight gap at the top of a tank in a new zealand aquarium and managed to flop on the floor slither about eight or nine feet to slide down a drain pipe that is more than 160 feet long and finally plops down into the bay area so this (laughs) i think is so funny uh the the aquarium manager who made a statement this week he managed uh he said he managed to make his way to one of the drain holes that go back into the ocean and off he went he didn't even leave us a message. Like, <laughs> I, like what the fuck is he going to say? Fuck you, Darla? I don't know. This this is a Pixar movie. It really actually. is. But, I mean, for, for those who really know about octopuses or at least have access to YouTube, this isn't that surprising. Um, I you were gonna... <laughs> for those of us who have access to... Uh, did you... What did you just say? YouTube. Oh, okay. What did she say? Your mom's I thought you drawer? Were say for those of us who have access to octopuses. Octopi. No. Well, yeah, octopuses. This is my, octopi, this here's, octopede. I think They're, this is... I love this story when I saw it. I thought... I don't know. I know it's like a small, rinky-dink, whatever, Not doesn't matter that much kind of a story, but I thought it was cool just because I have very mixed feelings about zoos in general. Mm-hmm. So I want yeah. to ask, like, I mean, does this – I mean, this clearly indicates – well, first of all, I should say that octopi are actually the smartest invertebrates. And they have they, they have been known – they actually learn by seeing, the observational learning. So – and the, the only – one of the only other creatures that does that are chimpanzees and humans. They're mm-hmm. incredibly fucking smart. So, I mean, I don't know. This makes me have, like – it makes me have all the feels. <laughs> Yeah, oh, they, free. Guy. It's true, though. They they have been uh, shown to have the ability to learn and form mental maps. They, you know, yeah. The new Finding Nemo movie, Finding Dory, actually has an octopus in it, voiced by Ed O'Neill. Fucking a, it does. So maybe this See? is like promo for the new Finding Dory movie. See, it's I, funny because I actually. 
I, I went to this uh, Greek restaurant recently and they had grilled octopi on the menu and I couldn't do it. It wasn't because it was grossing me out. It's because I was thinking, how smart is this creature? It could star in its own movie. <laughs> Have you guys eaten octopuses before? No. I've eaten your puss before. <laughs> well, yeah. I I actually have back before I made the Of course you have. Yeah. Wait, so Transition. I think one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys is how do you pronounce the plural word for octopus? Octopi, for sure. What did Lisa say? Said? Okay. It's octopi. It's it's, it's actually face. it's actually technically both. Technically, you can take a shit, Matt. No, the English version of it is octopuses, and then the Latin version is octopi. You just want to say pusses, and I know it. I know that about you. Let me live. Let me have this. Do no. You, do you do you think Inky is going to round up some octopus and and octopi Wall Street? <laughs> no, I think he was oh, just God. making. Oh, I quit. <laughs> Inky was just trying to make a political statement. Yeah. All right, for the love of God. He chose move. liberty over security. So I have one more <laughs> news item <laughs> that I threw in real quick. Because it's, it's that time of year. Everybody's getting their acceptance letters from colleges. And, well, it's happened again. I just found this report. The State University of New York Buffalo accidentally send out, sent out 5,100 acceptance letters to prospective students. Oops. Decisions oh on those God. applications hadn't actually been made yet. The applications are still under review, which means those affected may still receive acceptance letters, but a bunch probably won't. <laughs> so that must, you know, I remember getting my acceptance letter to a couple of places, and it's just, it's a, it's a great feeling, isn't it? It is. It's okay. So to and see then that, you go, and it's like, uh, yeah. Why was it so excited? The letter's great. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to be in debt for half of my life now. And I just half. want to say, good, good, half, try all. I was going to say, try three quarters to like 25 years past your death. Okay, okay, calm down, guys. Just And I also just want to say good luck to everybody who may be applying right now. And who actually got an acceptance letter. Yeah, let us know in the millennial Word group of or advice, something. just don't do it, really. <laughs> <laughs> Give up now. <laughs> So we, on that <laughs> We're inspiring really note, it's a horrible message, <laughs> but seriously. So on that note, we have a new game this week. It's called The Number. What I'm going to do Ooh. is ask you, uh, so I'm going to give you an answer, kind of Jeopardy style, and you have mm-hmm. to guess what the answer is, and it involves a number. So this week, Seven. this week. This important moment in the lives of many Americans costs $32,000 on average. Now, I instructed the host to not click the link so they don't cheat um, and, and know the answer. So what do you guys think costs $32,000 on average in America? A year? No. This is a one-time thing. I think a it's one-time a one-time thing. thing. Mm-hmm. I think... Weddings? Yeah, I think it's weddings. Yeah, I actually, I actually knew this one. Uh, yeah, that I makes didn't sense. Click. Well, that makes sense. No, I, didn't I, I hadn't thought of anything. You are, you are right. I guess with context clues, you could figure this one out. So, right. a new study yeah. came out, 2015 real wedding study. The average wedding in America cost thirty two thousand six hundred forty one dollars. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. 
understand that at all. I mean, I guess it's your day, and if you have the money and that's how you want to spend it, that's fine. Um, I can tell you that at mine and Elisa's wedding, um, we will not spend that much money. Yeah. Not unless the roses are made of gold. No, we will spend like a hundred bucks on a keg. Mm-hmm. And then everything else is BYOB, clothing optional. <laughs> My dress alone is going to be like 20000 <laughs> I wanted to bring this one into the number because I thought I, my my sister is getting married this October and this is going to be an expensive wedding. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be at least $32,000. And I just think about like, why? <laughs> why? Why? And I'm sure we have listeners who've spent plenty of money on weddings. And of course, everybody, it's your day. You do what you want. But me personally, I, I don't, I would maybe elope if I ever got married. Just have a small little thing, go out for drinks afterwards, and that's it. Yeah. I find a very common thing, too, with weddings is that a lot of couples like to have their ceremonies, like, in the middle of nowhere. And that shit is so fucking expensive to go to to go attend because you have to like try to find some somewhere to to stay for the night or anything. And like a lot like a lot of these bed and breakfast places This this was a friend of mine just recently went to a wedding in like bumfuck Maine and they only had like two hotels and they were like bed and breakfast houses. And so it I, I just I just don't understand why people think that going out into the middle of nowhere is a is enough to spend all that extra money for is worth it well it depends on you know th- that town may have a tie to the person's family or maybe they just really like the area maybe that's where they first met oh yeah that makes sense yeah i guess it really just depends on the connection I think the point is if you're gonna have a destination wedding you can't expect people to spend all their money to be there like if you've made that choice then you have to accept that not everybody you want to be there is going to be able to be there yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If it were me, I, I $32,000, I would rather that go towards the honeymoon. I'd rather put all that money in and just fucking get away God, for could six, you imagine? Three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, three okay, three three four weeks that would that would be cool, but I was just thinking like, you know, that money could be used to purchase a full car, two full cars and pay them off completely. Right, it could go towards your house for yeah. your kid. Yeah, most likely exactly. for getting married. And now for my sister's wedding, I got to get tailored for a suit. They they were here last October. Last October, a full year before the wedding, they were talking about the color of the flowers and the fucking tables. I'm like, I don't need this. Why are you talking about this? Who oh, cares? I do like I do like dressing up though. It's nice to feel pretty. <sighs> okay. Okay. So is there, I just is, like... a, is there others? Yeah. So Elise, I think you put a couple of others in here, right? Okay. Sure. Yeah. So. Your average millennial has eight of these between the ages of 18 and 65. Not Sexual orgasms. partners. Oh, I hope not. 18 orgasms. and 65? Well, I guess actually eight wouldn't be that high. Um, you know what? Eight of these between 18 and 65. Why, why do you say your average millennial and then you include people up to the age of 65? <laughs> okay. That's a fair point. I was getting this. Okay, Laura's right. It is sexual partners. I was getting ha! this from – it was from a, a Slate article that was saying that your average millennial – I guess what it really said was above the age of 18. So oh, okay. it was saying that millennials have eight sexual partners between ages 18 and wherever the fuck they are right now 
But that's actually lower than uh, previous generations. Previous generations, it was between 11 and 13. So we got to get our bang on. Wait, so the average. <laughs> wait, so wait, I, so I'm trying to understand this. The average millennial has eight partners that range from 18 to 65. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Matt, that's what I'm telling you. The average millennial has five partners under 18. That's what this study also found. Matt, I am telling you, that's accurate. You need to go bang a 65-year-old. Done. Actually, uh, what's the next one? Is this so, I mean, is this real? I mean, is this stack up with you guys? I think think it's a decent average. I mean. Haven't we shared our numbers on the show before? I don't think so. Oh, really? Let's do it. I need to. Hmm. I need. I need to make a list. <laughs> Andrew's like. I need a minute to think about this. <laughs> I need Andrew's to write them like, down on a piece of paper. How many hosts are on this show? Because that's basically. <laughs> the I'm not. I'm not going to share my number, but I will say that my number is below that number. Wh- what? Oh, below the eight. I've I've had fewer partners than the eight. Okay. It's like uh, seven point nine. <laughs> I've had fewer than sixty-five. Wow. So. <laughs> I will say this. I guarantee you that all of my partners have been between the ages of 18 and 65. <laughs> I promise you that. Mine too. Mine too. I could sit here and make a list right now under my breath. Actually, with the Andrew, Jeopardy could you, music playing. Could you just start like writing it out as the show goes on at the end? Yeah. When we check in with the New York primary, we'll check in with you too. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. All and right, then I'm going to have to burn this piece of paper because I can't let Mike see it before he gets home. <laughs> See, this is the thing, though. Is Are you I'm labeling very... it? Are you putting how many people I've fucked in my life? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you see the list of like, Andrew Sims men, what else could that be? It's not yeah, a seriously. Term. I have three <laughs> names here on here already. It already looks suspicious as fuck. <laughs> uh, this, this is fucking complicated. I'm just. Can I just narrow it down to people that I knew names to? Oh God. Sure. But okay. so anyway, let's let's move on. Okay. So moving on. This figure is the highest it's been in 25 years adjusted for inflation. And that figure is 4436. Is this, this an is annual the in- figure? This is an average figure spread out over multiple months. Let's put it that way. Fuck. Okay. Is it something you buy? No. So he's the highest it's been in 20 um, years. Um, it's the amount of something, but it's not of something that you purchase. Amount of debt? Like average? No, but you're going to say, debt? yeah, like a, uh, like a mm. crude debt. This is the amount that your average person has in their checking account. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh. Well, much like the last number, I can tell you I'm below this one, too. <laughs> By like five. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't have. To be fair, though, this one is not just millennials. This is just people of all ages, and so you know, it makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, leave it to Laura to set the bar pretty low to set yep. the curve for everybody. I'm like, I've had five sexual partners, and I also have five dollars in checking. Coincidence? I think, I think not. not. Maybe you should be stop spending all your money on hoes. <laughs> You can catch right. Laura's OKC profile at this link. Hey, um, some people already have, so there's that. 
Yeah. Okay. PSA, by the way, <laughs> just because we're doing this okay Cupid, fuck off Cupid segment now where we talk about our, our dating lives doesn't mean that we want you to stalk us on okay Cupid. Yeah, please don't. It's it's getting a little weird. No, so. that, no, do what you we want. Can, guys. We can talk about let's let's talk about that more in after dark, maybe. Okay. Yeah. This is this is the last one for uh the number. Oh. As of 2014, this milestone occurred at age 26 for the majority of Americans. Um, Marriage? Uh, gr- graduating college? Andrew? Oh, jeez. I can't wait to know what this is. Um, I'm going to say graduating college as well. No, actually age 26 is the average age that most Americans are having their first child. Oh wow! Oh wow! An- another one that I'm missing out on. <laughs> well, is this is this lower or is this higher than normal? This is higher than normal. So just between the years of 2008 and 2014, it went from 23 to 26, which is a massive. I mean, remember this is like a country average. So for the average to be bumped up three years in like you know less than a decade is pretty huge. That means that there's a lot of a lot of people who are having it even older than 26. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wouldn't help this, and I'm dead serious about this. Teen Mom. People watch this Teen Mom show, they get freaked out. Like, oh no, I'm not, I am not accidentally having a baby. I saw a picture on, on Reddit recently of uh, a new mother carrying her toddler around on her shoulders, and then it vomited on her face. <laughs> And I thought to myself, I'm okay with this, you know, not mm-hmm. being not pregnant thing. Yeah. Because I remember back in the 80s, like the whole like working working girl kind of lifestyle uh, kind of influenced women to have children later in life and have a career first. But then that's I, apparently that started to spark a lot of um, birth problems because their bodies weren't as strong later in life than they were when they were younger. So maybe that was also a push pe- people to have uh, ages, uh, children at a younger age. Yeah, unfortunately, biology does not care about your career. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unfortunate fact of life. Okay, well, that was a fun segment. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it's time Go to inky. for Surprise Bitch. Uh, one to what? Up to 446. Ooh. <laughs> let's do let's do 398 oh my god oh my god the exact that was my sexual part yeah wait how did you know that oh i told you because i was 398 matt that's right i did tell you well we actually called brian once before so why don't we do 399 which is megan sure i didn't want to just pick her i wanted to let everybody to know that we're not calling 398 because they know who it, they who know. Anyone knows who the fuck three ninety eight. <laughs> no, but you you know some listeners will remember episode you know whatever when we called Brian number three ninety eight. Um, excuse me, guys. On season one, episode forty three, you called caller three ninety eight. Hello. Hello, Megan. Yes. Surprise, bitch! It's Millennial. What's up? Ooh. Holy crap! Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Language, please. <laughs> I was very confused. Family-friendly show, Megan. I don't know if you've ever heard us before, but we try to keep it PG. 
Sorry, I'm still in teacher mode. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, how many sexual partners have you had? Oh my God! Don't <laughs> ask for that, <laughs> Megan. You do not answer. We were just talking. <laughs> we were just talking about this, but we have no shame. So wait, you said you you're, no you're a teacher. I'm currently student teaching. Yes. Oh, cool. We're at fun times. Um. Uh, Central Pennsylvania, Mechanicsburg. So we were wondering. We were actually playing this this numbers game before, and um, let, let's 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 ask her one. How many sexual partners have you had? <laughs> <laughs> no. Tell me if I'm getting warmer. So yeah, answer this Jeopardy style. Your average millennial has eight of these between the ages of 18 and 65. Well, my first response would be sexual partners. That's right, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And now you know why Matt's trying to get in your pants, because he's below (laughs) average. He's only at number five. What do you teach, Megan? I am a music teacher with a a secondary choral emphasis. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm currently in like actually like as you were calling me putting in thousands and thousands of applications. Oh wow. Oh, wow. Oh, you and I are in the same place right now. It's really awful, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really sucks. Yeah, it really <laughs> does. So how much longer do you think you'll be putting in applications for? Like weeks, days, months? Assuming, you know, I mean like for this for this year. M- months. Mm. A lot, a lot of, especially in the music realm, a lot of things don't get posted until sometimes even August. Oh, my God. So, How long does it take to complete one application, usually? Well, it depends. Um, some sites, you, or some schools, like, use the same site, so all I really have to do is click a button. But today, I had one that took me about an hour and a half, so. Oh, wow. Ugh. It depends on what school you're going for. But that feeling of being accepted, it'll be so great, won't it? <laughs> as long as they want me. <laughs> <laughs> That's all um, I want. Matt will always want you, so there's there's yeah. that. <laughs> there's always... For what you... that's worth. Mm-hmm. All right, actually, here's here's the last one. Here's the last question, going back to the numbers game. Okay, how much do you think, I'm going to ask it a little differently than we played it, how much do you think your average American spends on a wedding? On a wedding? Yeah. You can oh, I, kind of, I kind of have an unfair advantage. Because you got really? married? Uh, because I'm engaged. Oh. <laughs> Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Um, but I believe from what I was looking at, it was $245,000. Oh, well, that's not God, the average we found. <laughs> oh, okay. Don't spend that Fuck. much. Don't. Spend... No, I'm not. When is when is your wedding? Uh, we haven't set a date yet. He actually just asked me over the weekend. So. <laughs> oh my oh. God! Oh, oh my that's God! Awesome. That's so great. <laughs> How did he propose? It was it was actually a little lame, but <laughs> it was cute. <laughs> I had actually I had actually surprised him up at school and uh it just so happened that he had put a ring aside and he was supposed to pick it up that saturday like like this past saturday mm-hmm. but i showed up and he didn't know how to get rid of me <laughs> so so he took me to the store showed me the ring he picked out for me and then proposed 
That's adorable. Yeah, but that's one of those stories you'll never forget, right? One of those unique I stories. suppose. <laughs> How long have you two been together? Uh, about three and a half years. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, that's. I think that's pretty average. J- just keep October 1st clear, because that's when my sister's wedding is. Uh, other than that, <laughs> okay. I can come to yours. I'm down for some central Pennsylvania fun. Oh, yeah, so much fun. Middle of nowhere. Yeah, they have poutine there, so I'm down. <laughs> All right, Mal. Well, thank you for your support. It was nice speaking to you, and uh, congrats you on your engagement. Yeah, congratulations. Congratulations. Congrats. Thank you. Oh, and and on your applications. Oh, man, you got everything going on right now. Uh, <laughs> the adult world is is coming too soon. <laughs> yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Bye, right, Megan. Bye. Bye. So is there a New York primary update before we wrap up the show? Well, it looks like the last poll does not close until 9 p.m. Oh. So there won't be an update. Yeah, there won't be an update until 9 p.m. And I have a feeling once the polls close, they're going to call it pretty quick. Yeah. I guess Um, you're going to have to listen to After Dark. Yeah, darn. The the polling indicates that there's pretty significant margins um, between the front runners (laughs) and others. So it's, you can it's looking it. like Hillary in a big way. <laughs> and well, it's looking I, like Hillary and Trump. Yeah, it looks like Hillary might be getting uh, like 138 of the votes of the uh, delegates in New York oh. State. Oh my! Out and Andrew is 138 out of tally that you came up with. The you number know, of your lovers. I What's have, the update there? I have my list and I have my lighter. I'm ready to burn it. I'm up to seven. <laughs> <laughs> I need to sit here and 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 reflect a little longer. Wait, are we? So how are we counting this though? Like, what what are you counting as a sexual partner? I'm I'm counting. I'm saying at least oral, or should it be? Oh more no. Oh now now Laura <laughs> wants to jump back in. No, I don't. I'm just. I'm saying that. You know, you're oh. that it affects your numbers. No, oh man, no. I I could just see I could just see Laura going up to her hands, going. <gasps> oh God, there's just something like in my mouth. What's in my mouth? But for me, the the difference between that and like full penetration, the the number wouldn't be too different. Like, no, for me neither. Oh okay. okay. <laughs> so you're up to I'm like still- seven. Yeah, yeah, I'm still below average. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 the best I can do. Can I burn this now? <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't. No, that can wasn't you take a picture of it and put it up in the group or something? <laughs> put it. <laughs> no. uh, wait, I'm up to eight. Another one just popped in my head. Why don't we just do? Why don't we just do like a real time kind of update, just like the uh, just like the the primary caucuses and such. We're if like we just, at the end of the day, like we'll just slowly just add more and more uh, people to our percentage. And I'm see just who's gonna, winning. I'm just going to tweet these names exactly one hour apart from one another. <laughs> and only the millennial listeners will know what I'm doing. <laughs> Do it. Do it. First name only. Can you put one of the Saudi princes on there? <laughs> hashtag sue us. Yeah. Hashtag Prince Bandar. Uh, hashtag Bless. wish you were a bottom. Okay, well, um, for North Carolina tonight, we have a special song for everybody. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget our website, millennialshow.com. Our Facebook group, where we're, we're so much is happening, where we recently set rules to curb you troublemakers. Um, just go to Facebook and search for Millennial. There's the Millennial page, but then there's the Millennial group 
which you can also get to by going to facebook.com slash groups slash millennial show. Laura, what are we talking about on After Dark today? So we are actually going to be talking about how our views have evolved as a result of aging. Um, and I think this kind of ties beautifully into this, the discussion that we had about how much weddings cost, because we're going to be talking about lifestyles and things like that. So where we thought we would be when we were 15 and how we feel about those things now. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. I'm Laura. And I'm Matt. See everybody next week for episode 216. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. This is so predictable. I'm just going to leave this up for the full song. <laughs>